Hope everybody had a safe trip in for the conference. I am Thomas Boykin with Deloitte Consulting, and I'm going to talk to you uh, this morning about using next-gen technologies for a sustainable food supply chain or value chain. So is, is my volume okay for everyone? Can you hear me okay? All right, good, I'll get started. So Deloitte conducted a survey of 2,000 consumers and about 150 food industry experts, basically to gain deeper insights into fresh food trends. And I'll share a couple of insights from that. So among those insights is that the majority of consumers spend up to 30% of their grocery budget on fresh foods. And two-thirds of those saw an increase in what they spend in this category over the last two years. So to address this increase or expected increase in, in uh, volume, retailers are increasing the sh shelf space that they allot to this fresh food category. Yet fresh food doesn't grow as much or hasn't grown as much as the other general food categories. And there are reasons for that. And that's really why we're here today to kind of talk about some of that in terms of the challenges and also opportunities. So why is that? The food value chain is enormously wasteful. Worldwide, about a third of all food um, that is grown specifically for consumers gets thrown away. And in the US, we're even worse, less efficient. 40% gets thrown away. Complicating that uh, trend is the fact that the waste is not all concentrated in one area. It's spread across the supply chain. Each node of the supply chain and its transportation link generates its own waste. Many grocery stores, for example, throw away 20% of perishable products in this category. And distribution centers reject close to 10% of everything that's shipped to a distribution center in terms of fresh food. Note that all that waste is factored into the, um, the prices that we pay at the checkout counter. So to put it more simply, food costs way more than it, than it should. So we, at Deloitte, we see this sector as having some of the largest potential for financial uh, returns and better yet, very large benefits to the environment and to social impact as well. So what are the underlying reasons for this enormous waste? And really, that's the purpose of this discussion. There are three. And at Deloitte, we call those the three Qs. First is quantity. Second Q is quality. And the third is quickness. And I'll talk about each one of them. 
So first, quantity. The supply chain is flooded with produce. Store data shows that excess inventory and safety stock are resulting in massive throwaways, or to put it short, shorthand throws. The spikes on the graph to the, le to the left, your left, shows inventory days on hand. The timing reflects three holidays. First one is Memorial Day, second one, second spike is Fourth of July, third spike is Labor Day. This graph was actually made from a grocery chain and shows actual patterns for its blueberry category. Having more days on hand than the maximum shelf life leads to poor product quality, freshness, and high waste throwaways. And for highly perishable items like blueberries, having one and a half to two times on hand as compared to the maximum shelf life is a recipe for disaster. It leads to large percentages of waste. So you might ask, why do companies do that? Well, for holidays, and, and you could argue for other significant uh, promotions, there's a culture in place that basically says, we want to never be out of stock. The result is significant waste over-ordering with little discipline to stick to a forecast. Also contributing to this is a, is a lack of faith, oftentimes, in the reliability of the supply chain. People simply don't have faith uh, that we're able to execute and get uh, product to the stores when they need them. And so, typically, <laughs> we see uh, people placing two, three times the orders than the forecast would suggest. A reduction in this on hand can lead to a reduction of up to 50% of the waste. So a small uh, adjustment has a big impact. And in a, in a business or an industry that has very slim margins, that can be pretty significant. So another example of this pattern of over-ordering um, is, is shown on the chart to the left. And actually, it's a scatter plot of store sales across the x-axis and waste as a percentage of store sales across the y-axis. And essentially, what drove this pattern is that this particular grocer chain was replenishing all stores the same, regardless of size or regardless of sales. An average replenishment amount was sent to every store. The, re the result was that the low sales stores were flooded with product and created significant amounts of waste, whereas the high sales stores were starved for product. This situation was uh, troubling uh, to uh, the client, and so the solution was, you might, you might think it's simple, but <laughs> the solution was to just change that replenishment strategy to um, match the specific replenishment order size 
to the size of the store, but also to change the displays in the stores uh, and have multiple uh, types of displays based on the size of the store. For this particular uh, grocer, uh, the change was worth more than $10 million in just one category of packaged salads. The second cue, the second root cause is the variability of uh, freshness and quality between suppliers, which you might expect, but surprisingly among suppliers themselves. So, when product is picked, let's say, uh, for example, romaine lettuce, uh, the bag is stamped to show a use-by date. And that date is typically 18 days from when it is harvested. So one might expect that product picked on the same day from the same field, grown the same way by the same supplier, would always have the same use by date. How many people think that's real? <laughs> uh, wrong. <laughs> Even among the same suppliers, same, same uh, harvest date, same uh, growth methods, same company, there's significant var variation between uh, the start, uh, the, the use by date. So when you visit the farms and also what's called pack houses, the pack houses are the ones that uh, product is, is kind of aggregated and initially cooled after it's harvested. And you view the cold, cold chain, there's significant vari variability along that. For example, one of the biggest areas of impact is what's called cut to cool time, which is simply the amount of time it takes for product to be cooled after it's been harvested. For each hour it takes for a product to cool, you can add one day of freshness uh, to that product. Each hour equates to one day. So as a field harvest starts, for example, sticking with the lettuce example, some lettuce is picked early, gets put into a case, when the case is full, it's stacked onto a pallet. And when the pallet is full, it's staged on a flatbed truck and waits for six to eight more pallets to be accumulated uh, before the truck heads to the pack house. And when it gets to the pack house, uh, waiting to be chilled, depending on where the truck is in the, in the queue, that could be hours. And as I said, one hour equates to one additional day of freshness that you lose. Meanwhile, back in the field, uh, the workers are waiting for the truck to come back because they've been accumulating new pallets uh, that are ready. You get the idea. So one test we conducted had lettuce from the same harvest show a use-by date that ranged from four to 22 days. There's no supply chain in the world that can manage that kind of variability. So robust supplier compliance to freshness-based KPIs, um, pack dates, harvest dates, 
cool dates is needed for consistent product quality. So I've shared some pretty, um, pretty clear pictures of waste and, and the first causes of that waste in terms of quantity, people are ordering too much, quality, uh, it's inconsistent across suppliers, and it's even inconsistent within suppliers for the same uh, categories. Uh, you might ask, what can we do as supply chain professionals to help uh, this industry? So the answer for us at a high level is to stop thinking about it as a supply chain and to start thinking about it as a supply network. Uh, the key to winning in fresh is not just linearly connecting point A to point B and then point B to point C, but rather connecting point A to point F. So if we, if we can do this and we can use the data uh, that's available now in the new digital uh, world, the farm, which might be point A, to the store, which might be point F. Uh, and we can do these, uh, this communication uh, more clearly, communicate freshness to customers, price differentials, uh, train associates in the stores. Uh, we can approach something along the lines of smart merchandising. Similarly, if we, all, uh, if we knew all of the performance at the farm, the pack house, every link along the supply chain, we might better know, for example, that product uh, was not good uh, and is not going to be successfully uh, uh, delivered to a grocery store before it gets there and start to do uh, diversions uh, before we, we incur the cost to ship it to a grocery store or a restaurant because we know that um, it's, uh, it's not going to be good in terms of the use-by dates. And it's, though it's suboptimal, we can get some dollars for that uh, product by diverting it sooner rather than no dollars uh, if we let it get all the way through the supply chain. So these examples go on and on uh, and represent the, next, the power of uh, next generation technologies. So, this is how we view next generation technology at Deloitte. We convert the linear thinking to a network. So instead of A to B to C to D to E to F, uh, we, we see uh, those links as more of a network now where information can flow freely uh, between the links by necessity and not be so reliant upon uh, consecutive uh, communication. And it's powerful and it could change a lot of things from what you buy, uh, from who you buy it from, uh, for how much you pay for it, uh, and how and where you move it. Uh, so reflecting back on the three cues that I mentioned, uh, quantity, quality, quickness. Uh, this solution actually, or this, uh, this perspective actually addresses all three of those. And it's the key uh, to, to improvement in this industry. 
Now, let's look at a design that um, of, a, of a holistic technology solution. And again, right now this is a concept, but uh, we believe is you know, very practical, very, very possible uh, in, the, in the food industry. So there's so many technologies in, um, in supply chain and, and being introduced into the food industry that it can be sometimes a little difficult, overwhelming, challenging to navigate. So to do the big end-to-end -end impacts that we just talked about, um, the impacts um, on the left here, we need deep learning and diagnostic capability. So that's analytics, but next-gen tech allows uh, us to go beyond just backward-looking analytics and actually start to look forward and be not only predictive but prescriptive and to, be, to bring into uh, use technology like artificial intelligence which can uh, really advance, uh, advance the cause of freshness. As a data point, as an example, the work that we do that used to take months uh, because of the technology a few years ago, we can now do it in a, in a few weeks and sometimes uh, a few days. So at the heart of, the, of our supply network image is the digital core. And you can see elements on this on the right-hand side. Some of the most promising technology in the core are sensors, and specifically IoT sensors that can relay data about the product from harvest all the way through the supply network to the store, restaurants, or even the customers' homes. Imagine the power of that information if it were made available to the customers. The data creates a new level of insight that can control where uh, product goes, pricing, marketing, uh, you name it. Also in the core are connected networks linking to legacy systems uh, and other logistics excellent systems like transportation management systems, warehouse management systems, and enhanced data platforms and architecture to manage the new data. Algorithms applied to them and the ability to connect them to legacy, legacy systems that control how uh, the actual people uh, in, in warehouses and the supply chain actually perform their work and help them be more efficient and effective in that. We are particularly bullish on the concept of RPA, which is robotic process automation, uh, to automate processes and to enable smart contracts to reward and govern suppliers more effectively. For example, in that example that I just spoke about where the supplier of, let's say, romaine lettuce is not able to be um, uh, consistent even within the same harvest and the same product uh, in terms of use-by dates. If that supplier, hypothetically, was able to prove to a grocer that its produce was cooled within two hours and um, of being harvested and that it, it maintained a temperature of 34 degrees from the time it was cooled until the time it reached the, the grocer's distribution center, that grocer might be willing 
to pay a higher price for that. Uh, so you see the, the power, potential power of that kind of solution. So we wanted to provide an example of one of our partners that we've uh, worked with in the past and, and currently, and, and that is with uh, IBM and their food trust application that uses among technologies blockchain. So when we say blockchain, typically people's uh, eyes gloss over, uh, it's not well understood, and uh, because of the hype, uh, people have become more and more skeptical of, of blockchain and what, what potential um, benefit it could have. But in our case, we apply two criteria to applications that we believe uh, blockchain is, uh, for which blockchain is a good solution. So the one uh, condition is, is the data decentralized? The second condition is, is there a trust issue in the value chain? So is the data centralized? Is there a trust issue? And both of those boxes are checked in terms of the food uh, freshness industry. So uh, many blockchain case studies uh, so far have focused on traceability for issues like food safety and recall uh, event efficiency. Um, many of these uh, examples have proven to be uh, valuable. But we believe that that is really only scratching the surface of what uh, the total value potential is. We see this as a platform that can collect, share, and process information in a multi-directional way, and in many ways enable that supply network approach that we just spoke about. So what we do is use blockchain to collect and distribute that information, but apply uh, the analytics uh, off, offline. And we think this is a valuable way to create real transparency into quality and the value of products. Uh, and again, apply to just not the safety issues, but also to the freshness uh, challenges that we spoke about. So uh, this also unlocks the smart contracting uh, that, we, that, that I mentioned in terms of that example of a of a, of a lettuce producer being able to prove uh, through blockchain technologies and others that you know they, they harvested the, uh, the produce and cooled it within two hours and kept it at 34 degrees throughout the value chain, um, understanding that that can generate value uh, up and down uh, the supply chain. So we believe these are exciting times for the food service industry or the food freshness in industry, and uh, that if we can use these technology advancements that we talked about to remove the waste and address the three Qs, quantity, quality, quickness, um, that uh, we can expand the size of the pie of value to divide among trading partners, basically make the pie bigger for all. And that's, that's why we're here as uh, supply chain professionals. So. Check out the link when you get this document, or the, the, the presentation. Uh, we have papers, uh, case studies, partnerships, and even a, a video walking you through what the value network can become. Um, please complete the short four-question survey through the Modex app. 
or by email and you can get an early copy of the presentation. So I thank you for your time. Uh, anyone have any, any questions or any discussion points? Any points, additional points to make? So uh, I'll repeat the question. The question was the reference to the, the sensors and the IoT sensors in particular, uh, is the price point at a such, a, such a point where that is um, uh, capable to, to be built into many business cases. And so the answer is absolutely. We see that uh, price point coming down. And actually you see it um, throughout the supply chain. There are sensors being um, justified at every link of the supply chain based on the cost uh, curve that, uh, again, continuously coming down. So uh, sensors all around us. There's even examples of uh, of sensors being used in robotics that make uh, robots be able to seamlessly work side by side with workers in warehouses. And uh, because of that, um, the, the safety concerns that were there before are no longer there. So um, absolutely great question. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? Uh, good question. I think uh, many people are just beginning this journey. <laughs> and so I, I mentioned IBM because um, we're partnering with them to kind of take the, you know, it's almost like uh, creating a religion for that, that view of, of supply chain is not a chain but a network. Uh, but. Uh, we think the message is resonating more and more, and we hope to see more real-world examples in the future. Most of our experience has been with individual clients who are kind of struggling to understand uh, what's possible with the technology and, and understand where they need to uh, adopt some of the technology. So I wish I could give you more kind of concrete examples, uh, but uh, it's coming soon. Well, questions, comments? Thank you very much for your time.